I want to talk to you from a message that I've entitled today, I Hear a Knock. And we are continuing on in our series on new doors, and we're in part five today. So if you would, I, I want to jump right into this. If you would, stand with me for the reading of God's Word, coming from Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to go through verses 7 through 11. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Verses 7 here, the Bible says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, touch your neighbor and tell him, knock on the door. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be open. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent. If you think, if you then being evil, oh, come on, Jesus ain't holding back, is he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts and good things to those who seek him? Father, bless the reading of your word. Lord, help me to preach and teach this thing today. Help us to learn how to knock on the door today. And Father, help us to respond when you knock on our door. God, we'll give you all the glory and praise for what's about to take place in this house. It is in the name of Jesus that I pray in the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So we're going to continue on in our series here. Um, and we are in part five of our series, New Doors. Y'all have heard me say it before our guests. I like to always recap um, and catch people up. But uh, we're in the year 5784 on the Hebraic calendar, and it is the year of the door. It is the year of the Dalit. And so I have been going and searching through the scriptures about doors. And when you talk about doors, you need to understand this from the scriptures that doors represent opportunities. Come on, somebody. God creates opportunities. He does not seize them. When a door stands before you, you have an option to either go through it or not. When you have an opportunity that is in front of you, you have the option to take it or to not. God is the creator of opportunities. He does not seize them. Amen. And so we talked about predetermined presence doors last week. Amen. Some doors don't open up until you get to them because there is predetermined and predestined works that God prepared specifically for you before you ever got here. God prepared certain works that you should walk in them. Don't miss that now, that you should walk in them. Didn't say you would. It said that you should walk in them. Again, you have the opportunity to seize the moment. You have the opportunity to see. It's up to you whether you will seize the opportunities in the doors that God places in front of you. Amen. So God prepared good works before you that you should walk in them. See, sometimes you miss a door. We talked about that too. Sometimes you miss a door, but we serve a God who's so good and we serve a God who's so big that he'll have the door swing back around to you sometimes. Amen. And we talked about time and God and how, uh, you know, most people, they, they have a hard time understanding God, even as Christians, because they don't realize that God created time and space. Come on. He's not confined by time and space like we are. And we talked about how God is not on a, 
on a, a chronos calendar, but he is on a kairos calendar. God does things, opens doors, creates opportunities based on seasons and based on how we are doing and how we are responding. God is not limited by chronos time. That, uh, your watch is called a chronometer. It is chronos time, meaning uh, hours, minutes, days, weeks. But God's calendar is a kairos calendar, which is based off of seasons. Amen. Which brings me to my next door, the knocking door. Come on, touch your neighbor and tell him I hear a knock. I hear a knock, hear a knock. So Jesus here in point one that I have here, he says, ask. And when he says, ask, he's saying, pray. Amen. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. In order to ask, you have to communicate. And in order to communicate with God, you have to pray. Amen. The way that we communicate with God is that we pray. Come on. We talked about prayer on Wednesday and prayer works. Come on, somebody slap your neighbor across the back of the head and say prayer. Work. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But but prayer works. Some of y'all was asleep. You ain't sleeping no more. Come on, somebody. Prayer works. Amen. Come on. God needs us to be a people of prayer. He needs a people that will communicate with him. Can I just say this, that prayer shifts atmospheres. Amen. Prayer aligns destinies. Prayer brings revival. Just ask Lazarus. The man was dead, but Jesus showed up on the scene, and all he did was start praying. Amen. Prayer produces, uh, prayer produces power. All you have to do is ask the disciples. Prayer produces a broken and contrite heart. I talked about this Wednesday. Prayer produces a broken and contrite heart because when you get in prayer, God steps onto the scene. And when God steps onto the scene, you become broken because you realize how holy he is and how holy you are not. Come on. Isaiah 6, whenever he steps into the throne room of God that we were singing about earlier, he says, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. There is a brokenness that hits Isaiah's heart. Come on. David was a man who was broken before God and he was a man who was broken before God because he was a man of prayer come on he didn't just show up one day and start slaying spiritual giants and slaying Goliaths no he was a man of prayer come on he was on the back end of a desert where wasn't nobody looking and he was praying come on he was on the back end of a desert where nobody was looking and he was playing that harp and he was practicing and he was singing and he was getting in the glory and he was getting in the presence of an almighty God and it broke him when Whenever he committed his uh, uh, heinous sin and his junk, it broke him when the prophet Nathan shows up to his doorstep and says, whoa, son, you've been messing up. And David responds with brokenness, not an excuse. David responds with brokenness, not an excuse. God isn't looking for excuses. God is looking for some broken people. Ah, come on. Prayer creates spiritual sensitivity. People of God, do you understand that God is as close as your next prayer? God is as close as your next prayer. God sits on the edge of his throne and he's waiting to hear what his sons and his daughters would have the courage to ask him for. Amen. He's waiting to hear what his sons and daughters are believing him for. He's waiting to hear what you would have the heart to ask him for. Prayer is a weapon that God gives us to go on the offensive. 
Come on, God has given us prayer to push back the dark works and agendas and demonic agendas of the enemy. Come on, did you understand that God will stop time to answer one of his prayers for one of his children? Come on, Joshua's on a battlefield one day and he starts praying and he says, God, I need a little bit more time. The job ain't finished yet. The enemy's still coming. The enemy's still tracking. The enemy is still coming against your people. God, I need a little bit more time to finish off the enemy and God's uh, holds the sun in the sky. It's the first time he did it, and it's the last time he did it. But God stopped time. He stopped the sun in the sky to answer one of the prayers of his children. I'm trying to tell you that prayer is important. Amen. Come on. God breaks the natural law of physics when Elijah gets to praying one day because it usually rains down water and precipitation from the sky, right? But when Elijah gets to praying and he's trying to defend God and show the people who who is the one true God? And he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? Come on, somebody. And he prays and he says, God, I need you to rain down fire from heaven in this moment for these people so that they can realize who you are and what you've done and what you are here to accomplish. Elijah prays and fire comes from heaven. Paul gives us the instruction to be anxious for nothing, but instead with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Make your ask known to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. Peace comes when you know that God is interested in answering your prayers. Ah, there it is. Did you pay attention to the text that we just opened up? The Bible said, and Jesus said, if you wicked people know how to give good gifts, how much more will my heavenly Father want? to give good gifts to his kid. Can I just say this? I am sick and tired of people turning God into a fire dragon breathing God that wants to smite everything and everyone and isn't good and wants to take everybody out and wants to send everybody to hell. That ain't the God that's in my Bible. That's not the Jesus that I just read about. He says I want to give you good things. If wicked people know how to give good gifts how much more will my heavenly father want to give you good things? How much more will my father want to give you his spirit? How much more will my father want to give you his power? How much more will my father want to give you gifts? How much more will a good God want to take care of you? He, he looks at them. He said, y'all are worried about clothes and you're worried about food and you're worried about what you'll eat and you're worried about what you will drink. The Gentiles worry about such things. And some people have turned that scripture into meaning that we don't need to be concerned with all those things. And I get that you don't need to elevate it. But do you catch what he said at the end of that? He said, he said, uh, I dress the lilies of the field. Come on, somebody. And the lilies of the field didn't look as good as Solomon in all of his splendor. Solomon was the wisest man on the earth and he was the richest man that ever lived. He was the richest king that ever lived. And he says, the lilies of the field are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, yet I dress them the way that I dress them. Are y'all catching what I'm saying? He is saying that I want to take care of you better than the lilies of the field. There's not a sparrow that falls out of the sky that does not fall that I do not know about. And we think that God does not have our concerns on his mind and wanting to take care of us. I wanted to inform somebody today that God wants you to ask. God wants you to seek. God wants you to knock. And he who is a good God wants to bless you and give you the things that you need. Come on, where does that peace come from? 
that Paul is talking about. Come on, that peace comes from knowing that you have a good God who you can serve, who wants to bless your life. Come on, did you catch the text? The Bible says that Jesus' response in this moment was if you wicked people, come on somebody, come on, if you ratchet people, come on somebody, if you know good, selfish Dirty low lowlifes know how to throw a party and give a good birthday gift. Come on, somebody. If when one of y'all's kids asks for a piece of bread, y'all don't give them a stone. If one of y'all's kids asks for a fish, y'all don't give him a serpent. How much more will your heavenly father give you the things that he knows that you need? That's some good news today. Come on, that's some good news today. People act like the church is supposed to be poor and broke. I'm not going to get on this tangent, but I'm going to say this. <laughs> People act like the church is supposed to be poor and broke. How are you going to feed the hungry and clothe the poor if you're hungry and poor yourself? Can I show you a couple ways that you get your prayers answered? How many of you know if you would get your prayers answered, you'd probably pray a lot more? Just wave at me if you think you'd pray a little bit more if your prayers got answered. Some of y'all acting holy in here, acting like you don't want your prayers answered, acting like all your prayers done been answered. But let me give you a couple of ways to get your prayer answered. Number one is Thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with Thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The problem with some of us why we don't get our prayers answered is because we want to fly up in the face of the king and bring our big, long laundry list of everything that we need. But he says you can't enter into his gates. Come on, somebody. You can't even get onto his property. You definitely ain't getting into his presence in the inner course if you don't come with thanksgiving. And then he says praise gets you on into the inner course. Praise will get you an audience with the king. See, we got to stop coming up in the face of God with our big long laundry list of everything that we need him to do. We need to come into his presence and enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And then you get an audience with the king. And let me tell you right now, an audience with the king will always get you an answer. He'll always answer you. The problem with the church is we don't like his answers because he has three answers. They're yes, no, and not right now. Touch a neighbor and tell him yes, no, and not right now. Stop being frustrated with God. He's got three answers. Yes, no, and not, not right now. You might not be seeing it because it's a not right now answer. Come on. You might not be seeing it because he said no. So many of us are getting frustrated with God because he tells us no. But can I tell you that he's telling you no because he's trying to protect you. He's telling you no because he has something better for you. My God that I serve, he has good things for me. He has great things for me. He has destiny for me. He has purpose for me. And you can't go wasting your time, and I can't either, by going and doing things and pay people, places, and things that we don't have no business being around. That, that God doesn't have for us. It, it's not what he has for us. We've got to stop being frustrated in prayer and come with thanksgiving, because thanksgiving will get you an audience with the king. Amen. Let me give you that next one. Psalm 37 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. I'm going to say it till you get it. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Translation, when he's number one and he is your delight and he is where you find pleasure and he is where you find happiness and he is where you find joy and he is number one in your life, not number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, but he is number one and you delight to do his work. You delight in his law. You delight and you meditate on his word day and night and night and day. When your delight and when your pleasure comes in walking in obedience and not doing your own thing, but when you're delight is in the Lord. When you want to do what he calls you to do, when you want to say what he calls you to say, when you want to accomplish the things of God, you will find that your delight is in him. And when your delight is in him, you will get the desires of your heart. (laughs) Now watch this. The desires of your heart come in this way, which brings me to this first John four and 15. This is some good teaching. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that our petitions have been heard of him. You want to know what the changing and and delighting in the Lord does for your life? It gets your will to line up with his will. And when your will lines up with his will, when you ask him for your will, it's his will. And then he always is going to do his will because his counsel and his determinations will go forth in the earth. So when you delight yourself in the Lord, what happens is this beautiful communion and consummation of marriage of his will and your will. And then you begin to just walk in the destiny and the purpose of God and people who walk in the destiny and purpose of God and whose hearts are lined up with his. They get whatever they ask for because what they're asking for is what he wants and needs to give them. Y'all all right. Come on, some of us aren't getting our prayers answered because they don't line up with the will of God. I know that's tough, but some of us aren't getting our prayers answered because they don't line up with the will of God. Some of us are praying for things and believing for things that God doesn't want for us. So many of us are frustrated because we think God isn't hearing us and God isn't answering us. But like I said a second ago, he has three answers. Yes, no, and not right now. Back to our text here. I want to answer your prayers, he says. I want to give you what you ask for. I want to give you what you're asking for, but I'm looking for you to ask me for it. Can I just say this? Don't ask me to explain everything about God because I can't tell you, but I can tell you that the scriptures of God give us indications to things that he does and how he operates and how he responds and how he reacts and all of those things. And I can't answer this because I know that God knows everything that you need, but there is something about God. There is this, this, this part of him that he wants you to ask him for it. Don't believe me, do you? Well, blind Bartimaeus, He's shouting, he's praising, he's saying, Jesus, get over here. And he's, Jesus steps in front of him, and he's standing in front of the blind man who is believing for a miracle and is believing for his sight. And Jesus says, what do you want from me, son? Don't ask me to explain that. All I can give you is the scripture and tell you to operate in it and do it. For some reason, God wants you to ask him for what it is that you are believing him for. Amen. 
Ask, pray, ask, and pray. Point two I want to give you is this, that God loves a seeker. God loves him a seeker. I don't know if you know this or not, but God is the one who invented that childhood game that we all love, hide and seek. Come on, somebody. Asher loves to play hide and seek with us, does he not, honey? He loves it. There's something about the thrill of seeking, is there not? Come on, you're on this conquest to find that which is hidden. And can I just say that there is a thrill and a good feeling in knowing that you are being pursued. When I, as a father, am playing with him, I'm hiding, but I'm usually hiding in a place that I know that he will find me. I'm usually hiding in a place that I know he will find me. Why? Because my favorite part of the game is that when he finds me, we both scream like crazy people and we hug and we tackle one another because we have been found. Do you hear what I'm preaching to you? Come on, God loves a seeker. God loves a seeker because it displays to him that you were interested in seeking him. It explains to him, it shows him that you were interested in this healthy pursuit. Come on. Uh, the, the relationship with God is a beautiful picture of a marriage covenant. Come on, somebody. And in a marriage, you need to pursue your spouse. When you don't pursue your spouse... Things can get wavy. Come on. Things can get shifty. Things can get tricky. Come on, somebody. You need to, there needs to be a healthy pursuit. Yeah, I said pursuit, by the way. I didn't say chase. The chase is over. Come on, somebody. I got you. The chase is over. But I'm going to pursue you, and I, and I want her to pursue me. When I noticed that, see, me and my wife, we, we'll go and we'll have, we had an anniversary the other, a couple of weeks back, and we went out to dinner together, and we spent some time together, and she had this healthy pursuit of me all day. <laughs> there, was a, there was a healthy, she wanted to be with me. She wanted to spend time with me. She wanted to take me out. How many of you know she took me out to dinner that time? Come on, somebody. She took me to high point. I had lobster steak and everything. I didn't even ask the price. I just said, she's paying for it today. She loves me. She's pursuing me today. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but, there, hey, I'm going I'm to be real with you today because pastor don't need to lie, so I'm not going to lie. And I'm going to say this. I don't open the door for her every day that we go somewhere. But on our anniversary, I opened the door for her that day. I even showed out. I made sure somebody seen it when we was at the grocery store. <laughs> but there was this, there was this healthy pursuit, y'all, and it got doors open for her. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you that God loves a healthy pursuit. God loves a seeker. Can I tell you that the keys of the kingdom and the kingdom of God, it's not for the casual Christian. It's for the seeker. God loves a seeker. God loves it when people will be in a pursuit of him and healthy, seeking after him and coming after the glory and the presence of God. He loves it when people try to find him because it displays to him that that individual loves him and longs and pursues and wants to be with him. 
Let me say this about people that pursue God. God loves them. And when God loves you, he opens doors for you. Ah, come on, somebody. He opens doors. He opens opportunities for you. He creates ways when there seems to be no way. Come on, somebody. When God finds him a seeker, he reveals things in the kingdom. He reveals things in the secret place and rewards them in the open. God loves him a seeker. Ask Seek and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Point three here. Knock and it will be open to you. Knock and it will be open to you. I'm going to lose my mind in here in just a second, so y'all don't pay me no mind. But what is a knock? A knock is when you're getting somebody's attention on the other side of the door so that the person on the other side of the door will open the door. Translation, Jesus is saying, some doors I need you to get my attention on. Some doors that show up in your life, Jesus is saying, I need you to knock on. Well, how do I get God's attention? I'm glad that you asked because I'm going to give you two types of knocks. Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Paul and Silas were asking. Oh, come on. People don't preach this enough, but Paul and Silas were praying. They were in a prison there in Rome. They were in an inner prison is what the Bible says, I would dare to say that Paul and Silas might have been praying, oh God, we need a breakthrough. Oh God, we need a door open. But the Bible says that they were praying and they were singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosened and the keeper of the prison awakening from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open up supposing the prisoners had fled drew his sword and was about to kill himself but Paul called with a loud voice do not harm yourself for we are all here what's one of the knocks that God will hear and open the door for it is praise. Touch a neighbor and tell them praise. Come on, somebody. Some of you are in a prison and you feel bound up. You feel like the door has been closed. You feel like the opportunity has been shut. You feel like the opportunity has passed you. Some of you have opportunities and doors standing right in front of you, but you feel like the door is locked. But I came with news for somebody today. If you can get a praise on your lips and a praise in your heart and a shout and a dance on your feet, God can open up the door. God can do one praise session can open up the door that can change your life. I said one session with God, one praise, one prayer, one dance, one shout can open up a door and it can open up an opportunity for you. 
Come on, y'all remember that old song, come a-knocking but you can't come in? Well, this ain't that song, baby. Come on, I feel like preaching because the Bible says keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. And at the sound of praise, that door can open. Come on, one thing that might have had you bound up, that person that you might have feel like been holding you back is going to come up to you after the door and the opportunity opens up and says, what must I do to be saved? I hear a knock. Slap your neighbor and tell him I hear a knock. I hear the sound of praise. Knock, knock. Who's there? Praise. Praise who? Praise to get you out. I'm telling you that praise has the ability to kick open prison doors. Praise has the ability to shift atmospheres. Praise has the ability to get you out of that thing that's had you bound. Praise has the ability to heal your marriage. Praise has the ability to heal your body. Praise has the ability to shift things where the enemy said he was going to take you out, but God said, I'm getting you. Come on, I wish I could find a praiser in this place. I said, I wish I could find a praiser in this place. Come on, is there anybody in this place that believes you've had a door? You believe you're on the brink of a new season. Come on, you're believing God for something, and you're at the edge of the door. A God-given opportunity, a God-ordained door. I wish you would knock a little bit this morning. Come on. I wish you would get God's attention real quick this morning and say, God, I'm here. I'm at my door. Open up the door. I know you created it. I know you got the uh, Yeah, take off. Run a lap, son. You're at the door. You're at your door. Who else is at the door? Come on, get God's attention for 30 more seconds. Come on, I know you created the door. I know you created the opportunity. Come on, I'm going to praise you till the door opens, God. Hallelujah. Hey, sit down or we ain't never getting out of here. Come on, the Bible teaches us that there are seven Hebrew words for praise. Number one is halal, and it is the root word of the Hebrew word hallelujah. Come on. And it comes from that base word. It means to be clear, to praise, to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate. You want to know what a halal looks like? It looks like you're going crazy. It looks like you're running a lap. It looks like you're boasting on your God. It looks like you're sharing testimonies when he made a way when there was no way, when he saved you out of the crack house the smack house and all of them houses come on it is when God has intervened and you can give him a great and a big and a crazy praise hallelujah Come on, the other one is a yada praise. It means with extended hands. It means to throw your hands up in the air and worship with extended hands. How many of you know we don't just do things and and, and worship in here just to look crazy, but everything that we do up in this house is biblical. Come on, somebody. Everything you're going to see within these walls, I got a scripture for it. So I'm going to lift my hands in the sanctuary. Come on, somebody. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to lift up my hands. Uh, Paul says, I wish that all men would lift holy hands unto God. Amen. 
Then there's the word todah. It comes from the same principal word of yada, but is used more specifically. Todah literally means to extend hands in adoration or acceptance by the way of application and is apparent in the Psalms and everywhere else that it is used. Thanking God for, watch this, todah means you are thanking God for things that you have not yet even received. Oh, come on, somebody. A todah praise means that you got to dance and you got a song even when all hell is breaking loose around you, even when the doctor's report is bad, when you need a healing or your marriage is on the rocks and you need God to intervene and step in, you can give a todah praise to God, meaning that you praise him even when you don't see the victory, that you can praise him when you don't see light at the end of the tunnel. Come on, who am I preaching to in this place? Some of you need to get up and give God a todah praise because the healing's coming, the breakthrough's coming, the miracle is coming, the financial breakthrough's coming. Go ahead and give God praise on credit. 10, 9, give God praise. 8, 7, 6, give him a toda. 8. Got so excited I forgot how to count. God, a toda praise in this place. Jesus. Shabak. It means to give him a shout. Come on. It means to address with a loud tone. Hey, I wonder, is there anybody that's willing to give God a Shabbat type of praise this morning? Yeah, that's the sound of it right there. When you give God a great big shout and a great big praise, this sound that you're hearing right now, it's what happened when the walls of Jericho fell down. Some of you are facing some walls. Some of you are facing some opposition. And your door and your breakthrough is on the other end of your Shabbat. On the count of three, I wish you Shabbat. One, two, three. Hey! I love my church. Come on, Barak, it means to kneel down. Come on, this is still a form of praise. It means to kneel down. It means to bow. It means to be reverent. This is what Paul is saying when he says pray and then pray with supplication. Supplication is praying, but it is prayer with posture. Come on, somebody. So a Barak means to kneel down, to lay prostrate before the Lord. It means to kneel and to bow and give adoration and give a salute unto your God. Zamar means to pluck with the stringed instruments, to sing and to praise. It is a musical word which is largely involved with joyful expressions. We are zamaring up here when they're picking those stringed instruments and Jeff is up there shredding that guitar. Come on somebody. And Michael's up here playing that stringed instrument and we got the keys and we got the cymbals and we're singing and we're praising. That is a zamar. Tehillah praise is derived from the word halal means to sing and to sing loud and to sing corporately these are the type of praise that will open the door for you that you are believing God to open Jesus said knock and it will be opened unto you so the first way that you can knock the first type of knock is praise the second one is this hunger 
The second one is this hunger. Does everybody remember the first miracle that Jesus operated in? Uh, uh, They're at the wedding of Cana. He's got the disciples with him. He has not done a miracle up until this point. And his mother is there and they ran out of wine and she runs up to Jesus and she says, they have run out of wine. He he responds to her and says, woman, what does this have to do with me? It is not yet my time. She looks over at the servants with that mama look. Come on. Y'all know what your mama be doing? Do whatever he says. I don't believe that Mary did that from a place of frustration. I think she did it from a place of hunger. And Mary pushes open the door with a knock of hunger because Jesus' next words are, bring them water pots over here. And he performs his first miracle In that moment, Jesus only said what the father said. He only did what the father showed him to do. And his response initially to her is that it is not yet my time. But something shifted in that moment. Something shifted in that situation. And I believe it was the hunger of a mama who said, I am believing for my baby boy to step into his destiny, to step into his purpose, to step into the thing that he was born for and placed on the of the there was a hunger nobody else was hungry to see Jesus manifest who he was and what he was born to do besides mama that day and mama kicks open the door with some hunger so praise and hunger let me give you another one on this with when it comes to hunger it opens the door hunger opens the door that door seems locked but hunger will open it up fasting doing the fasting thing we go you need to hear this today (laughs) fasting shows God that you're hungry for him pun intended (laughs) it displays to God that you are hungry for him when you push back the plate and say God I will remove things in the physical so that I can make room in the spiritual. Come on, somebody. You are displaying to God in that moment, and you are displaying to God that I am more concerned with the spiritual things than the physical things. God, I know that you will take care of me. God, I know that you will do what it is that I need you to do. God, I know that you have plans and purposes for me. And God, I am willing to push away the physical things so that I can make room for the spiritual things. Fasting displays hunger and hunger pushes open doors. Thank you, Lord. Worship team, y'all go ahead and come on. Thank you, Lord. You know, we're talking about us knocking this morning. Worship team, too, y'all just keep it light for the first half of this. We're talking about knocking this morning and the fact that we need to knock. And when we knock, the door will be ask, seek, knock. Ask, pray, seek, pursue, and knock. You knock 
and get his attention. Therefore, he opens the door. He says, knock and it will be open to you. So when you get his attention through praise and worship and prayer and fasting and seeking, that's when he says that he opens the door for you. But watch this. I don't want you to miss this because we not only knock, but do you know that the scriptures indicate that Jesus knocks as well? Revelation 3 and 14. The Bible tells us that we need to knock and get God's attention, but that also he knocks to get attention. Revelation 3 and 14 through 22 says this. Worship team, y'all just play lightly, please. And the angel of the Lord of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. Pay attention. I know your works that you are neither hot or you are cold. I could wish that you were hot or cold. Translation, Jesus saying, I wish you were hot or cold. I wish you was one or the other. But because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and are in need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy gold from me refined by the fire. In other words, put away your comfortability and let me refine you through trials, tribulations, and fire. And that gold is refined. That you may be rich and put on white garments so, you, so that you will be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness may be revealed, may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye saliva that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. That chasing word is another word for discipline. He says, because I love you, I'm willing to discipline you. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Can I just say this? We in the church, we're zealous for a lot of things. We're zealous to beat our drums with our political banners. We're zealous uh, to, to, to call out the world. We're, we're zealous for all kind of things. But can I tell you what Jesus is looking for? Jesus is looking for some people that will be zealous for repentance. Meaning live, living a lifestyle of repentance. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant him a seat to sit with me on my throne, as also I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Jesus knocks, and he's getting the attention of the lukewarm church. We, we, we get excited when we were just talking about us knocking and us praising and God kicking open the door and doing all those things. But I have a question to you and I have a challenge to you today, church. Are you lukewarm, though? Oh, it's quiet. 
Come on, are we living a lukewarm lifestyle? Don't worry, we're going to praise our pants off in just a minute. But, but we got to deal with some things in the house today. Because Jesus is knocking at the door for some of us today. I'm crazy enough to believe that it's some people in the room. I'm crazy enough to believe that it's some people online. I'm crazy enough to believe that it's somebody this week that's going to come across our Facebook service. And they're living a lukewarm lifestyle. And when they hear these words today, they will hear the that is happening on the door of their heart. And Jesus says, be zealous for repentance. Can I just say this? This is actually really good news. Revelation chapter 3 is some really good news because you want to know why it's good news? Because he, he came and he gave the word. He could have left you there. But he came and he's... He's knocking this morning and he's asking... Are you willing and ready and able to get to a place of repentance so that I can open the door? So that I can come in and that I can dine with you. So that I can save your life. So that I can write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. In that same chapter, he talks to some people about blotting out their name in the, of the, in the, that was in the Book of Life. That means it was there once and it was removed. But he's saying, if you will be zealous for repentance, if you uh, if you're attentive to the knock, if you open the door, I will come in like Superman with my cape on and I will save the day and not just the day. I'll save your eternity with every head bow. And I close in this room. Let's handle some business with God. Come on, if you're within the sound of my voice. And we, the family of God in here, we got to be, if you can't be real in here, you can't be real anywhere. Ain't nobody looking at you anyways. But if you live in a lukewarm lifestyle and you ain't turned everything over to Jesus and you got stuff going on in your life and you're living lukewarm, I just want you to lift your hand up where you're at. One, two, three, four, five, six, hands all over the room. It's all right. Because we're dealing with this today. We're getting breakthrough today. Because the first step of healing is admitting things. Shut yourself away with God right now. I want everybody in this room, because we family up in here. This is the family of God. I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. We're not leaving our brothers and sisters alone that was living a lukewarm lifestyle. The, today it ends. Today it's done. Today it's over with. So we as the family of God, I want everybody to repeat this prayer. We ain't leaving no soldier left behind. Come on. I want you to say this with me. Everybody in the room. Say, Father God, I believe in you. Believe in your son, Jesus. God, I'm tired of living the way that I was living. If I'm lukewarm, that means I'm neither hot or cold. And you said that you would spew me out of your mouth. I don't want that, God. I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for eternity. I want you. I want you to come in through the door and dine with me and save me and heal me. I give you everything today, God. I'm not living lukewarm anymore. Set me on fire. Set me ablaze. Right here. Right now. I'm hot 
for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now stand with me on your feet and lose your mind for just a second.